Hello and welcome to the Fit and Feminist podcast with fitness and nutrition coaches Lauren and Lindsay. Our aim is to educate and empower women to take control and rebuild confidence with their health, fitness and lives. We have the fitness facts and no-nonsense nutrition tips you need for success with a hefty dose of feminism thrown in. With top bands and massive oversharing along the way, we hope you finish each episode feeling a step closer to the life and results you deserve. If you'd like more of us or have a question you'd like answering on the podcast, you can message us at Lauren Randall Fitness and at Lindsay Wells PT and Nutrition. All right, let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Fit and Feminist podcast and welcome back to me, mum. Hi, hi. Hello. We've got legs crossed. We've got our coffees. <laughs> we've got, a got a bruise. And we're here for another chat basically. We are. Um, So this chat came about because I was having a conversation with a client who has a three-year-old and she said that it took her about two years to refigure out her identity again after becoming a mum. And I thought that is so common and such a big topic and so important to talk about. Um, identity change and becoming a mum since that conversation with that client a couple of weeks ago identity change has been coming up all over the place so a client getting married and changing her last name um identity change through divorce becoming a mum changing careers so many things and so everybody is impacted by changing of identity and I think it's something that we don't get taught about we don't really know much about it could be very chaotic and confusing so <laughs> enter Leslie oh, <laughs> to uh, maybe hopefully shine some wisdom and wise words on on the situation okay so just while you were chatting there I was thinking to myself this is all about identity and people feeling that it's completely fixed so what you said was I've got this lady um and it's taken her a couple of years to figure out who who she is after becoming a mum. And then you said something else, I can't remember what you said the next time, but anyway, it's menopause brain. But um it, it triggered off in me is this idea that identity is a fixed thing. Mm. And it's a fixed thing in all settings, all contexts and all roles. And actually, it isn't. Mm. I think people like fixed things, though. We and like I, labels and we like having a set yes, fixed and, thing. And I think that is where a lot of issues arise from. Mm. So, for me, I think identity is a number of things. It's who you are in a particular role. And how you identify in that role. In other, it's also about how other people identify you in that role. How other people identify you, or, or how, how you perceive other people well, to identify or, or how you. how they, or how they label, how they see you. Yeah. So I'll give you an example. Now, because we you asked about this a couple of weeks ago, this podcast, didn't you? And I was mm. thinking, oh Lord. <laughs> That's quite a big topic. I feel mm. a bit overwhelmed with that. But anyway, but I was a, a, a defining moment about identity for me came when I was still working in the NHS. And um, obviously I had you three and I was bringing you up largely on my own, blah, blah, blah. 
And so I was a mum at home and I was um, Leslie at work. Now, the Leslie at work, um, somebody actually said to me, a colleague said to me, you know, I forget that you've got three kids because you just don't seem like a mum to me. And she was putting this, and I went, oh, well, uh, well, you're not mumsy, are you? And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Mm. So how I am at work, which is professional and bounded and da da da, is very different to how you might see me at home or however else I might talk about it. But it was that person's view of what she thought a mum would look like. Mm-hmm. Stereotypical mums. Yeah, yeah, and labelling it as... And, and then going, but you're not you're not that. And I go, well, no, maybe I'm not as mumsy or as talk about the children as much as perhaps other people do. Mm. But I do like to have a boundary between home and mm. private life. So you didn't go to work every day saying how wonderful your children is particularly that middle one God, <laughs> what a gem you what were just gem banging on about me all day every day at work do you know what's funny because I can remember finding out that your name wasn't mum I can remember that moment like I remember it so clearly like when I found out that eating chicken yeah. was actual chicken and yeah. eating tuna was fish and it was like mind-blowing yeah. to me I remember finding out that because I was like why do they keep calling? I can't remember if it was you I was asking or Alex or someone. I was like, why do they keep calling mum this name, Leslie? I don't know how old I was. And then yeah. it must have been you. And you said, well, that's my name. And I was like, your name's mum. And I was <laughs> yeah. so mind blown that yeah. you were not just mum. And yeah. you had a life beyond <laughs> the house. And like, yeah. same with teachers. Yes. Oh my God, seeing a teacher yes. outside of school for the first time yeah. is like, it blows your mind. You are not yeah. just this person yeah. inside these four walls that I have and I guess we carry that on through adult life is we see people yeah. as a set thing and mm. then we believe if they go beyond our beliefs of that then yeah. it's whoa what are you doing yeah rocking yeah. the boat and their perceptions of you so you know um as you've grown up and I think this has happened to your brother as well you've seen teachers as you've got become adults and you've gone oh oh it's miss so-and-so and go mm. right because in your head they're still that teacher when you were eight nine ten eleven twelve whatever whatever it was and you can kind of go to that place of being that child and that with that yeah if i saw mrs peak in waitrose or something i'd expect yeah. her to get out a, blue, a wet blue paper towel <laughs> and start putting it on my knee or something and that would be totally normal <laughs> <laughs> i look a little stranger way but yeah but but there is that thing about um, how people perceive you based on their own interpretation of that role or that identity. And I think if you take that on, I could have easily have gone, oh, oh well, oh, gosh. And actually, I kind of went, oh, that's interesting. Hmm. Okay, well, I'll just carry on then. <laughs> well, I guess you <laughs> and I didn't just... label it. I didn't, yeah. and I think the thing about that is about having a label, and other people can put labels on others. 
Um, and, you know, you'll hear people say things like, oh, you don't seem like the sort of person who. Mm-hmm. Or, I never would have thought she would have done that. You hear people say this and you're like, well, how, how do you know? Because you're only going off your interpretation of what you think or who you think they are. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy for people to do this whole, if they get into this whole comparison thing, then of, oh, well, is that how I'm supposed to be behaving? Should I be doing something different? Is there something wrong with me? Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. And actually, there's absolutely nothing wrong with anybody. Nobody's broken, she says, raving her fingers mm-hmm. about in verticals. Um, it's, ju- it's, it's that perceived perception and how much you take that on mm. as the identity that somebody is or what you think that role and identity should should be, should be. Mm. and should in <laughs> the thing we're inverting commas every time we say should by the way <laughs> the shoulds oughts and musts mm. are oh devils in disguise really and um and it and it becomes tricky if you take that on as being mm. well that is what it is and that's the fact and it and it's not it's not a fact. So it goes back to what I was saying about it not being fixed. fixed, not a fixed identity. You might have an identity as a mum or as a teacher or as a daughter or as a son. Mm. But that changes and, um, you know, o- over time. Yeah, well, know. I think it's it's built into us from birth that even as a woman you should be this that and that as a Mm. boy you should be this that and that so we are learning from birth our roles and what we should and shouldn't be and what we should and shouldn't expect from Mm. other people Mm. and what we should and shouldn't expect from mum and what we should and shouldn't expect from dad Mm. and all of those things and then when you get to say 30 years old and you're having a child you've had 30 years of the belief about yourself Mm. about what mums should Mm. be like and then you become a mum and I can only imagine then it's like if you don't live up to the shoulds that you have thought Mm -hmm. you must feel like just lost like a failure you're not doing enough you're not doing good enough what is going on I should be the mum that's sewing every night I should be the mum cooking Mm. healthy meals every Mm. single day I should be the mum doing this and this and and I definitely went through that first time around with your big sister I definitely mm. went through this whole you know I I'm a mum I am now a mum so I should be doing x y and z now obviously we're talking quite a long time ago now. Mm. <laughs> um and I then put the expectations of my my perception of what mum should be on on me and lots of other things as well fed into that and when I didn't what I perceived um manage it well or it didn't go well or something it was then there was something wrong with me Mm. but actually that's that's not the case Mm. at all it is well that's interesting that I didn't do that very well or that's not worked or okay this is how I'm feeling and I think it's that we get back to this kind of um, just being able to notice how you feel about a thing without it being judged. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, if you go, well, that 
that's not what I would expect this person to do. And if I'm behaving like that, that's terrible. If you don't talk to yourself well, and I know you talk about this a lot, about this, mm. um, this mind chatter, is that you, the, the whole mix of who you think you are compared to who you think you should be becomes an absolute minefield. Yeah. I don't think I've explained that very well, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, so how can you become a mum mm. and still navigate that whole identity thing and keep you as the person that you have been and are and is well, it is it just like changed. letting go of the judgments of it? Yeah. Or? You 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 as a person with your still with your values and your life experiences and your wishes and your dreams and your whatevers don't change just because you've become a mom or something else. But they may be harder to obtain. Yes, they might be. Yes, they might be. Have to be a bit of a hiccup and a circuit, you know, and it goes a different route, or you have to put it on hold. But it doesn't change who you are or your life experiences. Mm. What changes is a role, and that's a role if you've not been a mom before that is brand new and you're having to learn what that feels like for you and nobody can tell you what that's going to feel like Mm -hmm. you can only watch how other people deal with things but it's not how you feel about it and if you judge how you feel about it because I don't know you might be having a really bad day and a bit fed up or a bit down the dumps or a bit bored you know because motherhood is not easy Mm. and it can be boring sometimes it can but if you judge yourself it's like oh that's really terrible i'm feeling a bit bored and a bit fed up today well just accept that that's how you how you are feeling today but that's not who you are yeah does that make sense yeah i had a conversation yesterday with a client who was saying she was having thoughts that she felt guilty about having as far as Mm -hmm. struggling being a new mum and the screaming kid and getting like angry and was Mm -hmm. like but you know I need to not feel like that and I'm like no you probably need to try and not judge that you feel like that exactly and it is normalizing and I think because people still really don't talk about how difficult the transition is between being not being a parent to being a parent. Especially as a mother. I mean, multiple clients have said to me, out of frustration, uh, you know, why does my whole life have to change and his just gets to continue like normal? He's getting a promotion at work. He's carrying on just fine. He's getting eight hours sleep. I'm not sleeping. I've lost mm. my job. Mm. I'm not working. I'm not earning. Mm. I had to change my last name. Mm. And I'm like... Uh, just just let it out hun just let it out hun (laughs) it's so different how much harder it is for women to become parents than the men I think it Um, seems like their lives don't change massively and women's become well well, massive maybe Uh, mm, maybe I do get all that I do and I understand that I think however Historically, that was how it always was. 
<clears throat> you know, you got married, you gave up your job, and that was it. You know, and your grandma was in that was in that category of people. Mm-hmm. She got married, but she didn't give her job up. But the minute she had me, that was it. You know, you stopped working, you didn't go back to work. And it's kind of in a bit of an, in our DNA. It's a bit odd. So it's getting away from that. And if you've been brought up with that kind of tradition, and I think for me, I kind of went, I'm not having any of that. Mm. <laughs> I'm definitely needing um, something uh, that is going to be different from what I've experienced mm. and um, keep that kind of sense of, um, I am this person in this context and I'm this mm. person in this context. So say you've got so, a, a woman who's had a baby and has had to yeah. leave her work as childcare and everything and whatever, you know, so is no longer in their job, which they yeah. found fulfilling and that was yeah. their purpose there. They no longer play in a team sport that they were doing before. Yeah. So yeah. They, they're not doing the hobbies, they're not doing the work. Mm. How can they navigate all of those things? I, well, I think it's about accepting that that is how it is for now it doesn't have to be for ever and that's a choice that's been made or that if it's no, if there's been no choice and they they have to go down that line it's um is i it, it, accepting i'm not enjoying this this is not what i asked for this is not quite what i signed up for i'm not really liking it that much however it doesn't change who i am i'm still that person who can have a career I'm still that person who how am I going to do that what are the yeah. steps that I need to do to, to do that and what does it mean to me to not have it because quite often people will take their identities from that sense of belonging to something and identifying with a group of people so mm. a group of colleagues or a group of team players and if that is taken away, then yeah, that's like the rug's been pulled a bit because they're suddenly like, well, who am I without the team? Who am I without my work colleagues? Who am I without? And it is a period of readjustment. There's no doubt about it. However, in that period of readjustment, there is a, and this is how I'm feeling. And some of that readjustment will be about loss. Mm. Yeah. It's not a loss of identity. But it is a loss of belonging, mm-hmm. which is different. Yeah. And I think if they can, this is who I am. And if I joined that team or went back to that work, this is who I'd be in that role if I was going back. However, that's not the situation, so I can grieve that. Mm-hmm. And I need to go through that letting go and grieve process but not grieving a sense of loss of identity. It's a loss of belonging. Yeah, but that's still a hard, that's a hard process. And you are grieving at the same time Mm. as welcoming in a whole new child and all the excitement and happiness Mm. of that Mm. side of things, Mm. which is like amazing. But then Mm. you're conflicted with grieving, you know, a loss of belonging and purpose elsewhere in your life and then battling with the guilt of, I should be enjoying every moment of being a parent and yet I still feel da-da-da and it comes back to being judgment free on how you feel yeah about and that things. word should yeah who says according to who yeah what's that about and actually who said you should feel a certain way yeah you know it this is a choice that perhaps somebody has made it perhaps hasn't played out exactly as they would have wished or wanted or expected 
So there's a massive readjustment. And that readjustment and that shifting means they are kind of readjusting to how they see themselves mm. and who they are in this new situation now. Yeah. They're not any different with their, the core of them. So the way, it, the way that I like to see feelings, because I, I visualise everything. Mm. I need pictures, I need images. Mm. The way that I think about feelings is they're like sneezes. So you can't stop a sneeze when it's already there. Mm. Like, you can't stop a feeling or a thought. It's already there. Mm -hmm. So you can only decide what you're going to do with that sneeze afterwards. Are you going to keep your mouth open and snot all over a group of children <laughs> walking past and just make an absolute <laughs> snotty chaos? Or are you going to get a tissue and hold, your, hold it over your mouth and sneeze? And you can control what you do with the sneeze, but the sneeze is already there. So with the feelings thing, it's like... Yeah. You're feeling that and that it's valid and it's there. So you can either fight it and talk to yourself like shit about having it or let it pass, accept it and stay judgment-free. Well, or not even let it pass, just sit with it. That is what, myself included, people do not like sitting with no, discomfort no, and uncomfortable no, feelings. No, so how can we... Absolutely. Uh, and that is... so. That's one of the things I spend a lot of time teaching people is to just sit with that feeling. I know, you're looking at me like, I'm getting oh. tingles in my neck, my <laughs> knees feel uncomfortable. I'm not even feeling anything and I'm all right. So like, what, how sit, would you teach them to sit? Well, literally, just sitting, holding that feeling. Because people feel that the, if they've got to battle it, then a lot of energy is expended in that. And if they just kind of brush it under the carpet or ignore it, it'll go away. But of course it doesn't. It comes bouncing back. Mm. So there's something about acknowledging. And this is what the whole premise of the whole mindfulness thing is about, really. Is accepting what is. And... Um, I was just trying to remember the name of the psychotherapist there that has that phrase. And I've just... Oh, menopause, but just let me down again. Anyway, um, anyway, accepting what is in that moment, not judging it, and just sitting. Now, when I say just, maybe it's probably not a good word. Yeah. But is to learn to sit with it without judgment. And I think the and more just you... and just notice what the feeling is. And I used to say, to, okay, and where are you feeling that feeling in your body? And quite a lot of the time. People are often in their heads and they're not in their bodies. And they try to think their way out of a box. Mm. But actually, feelings are stored. Feelings are generated. A thought might generate a feeling. Or you might have something that's triggered off a feeling. And you can just sit, if you can, just sit with it and notice it without judgment. It will give you a clue as to actually what's going on or where that's what that's about, and it might be. And the, there's five basic. I don't know where I'm going with this, but anyway, there's five. You, basic you just keep going, going on. You just keep going. <laughs> Sad, mad, glad, bad, and scared. There's a ruder version of that, but it won't <laughs> take that. So five feelings. Five basic emotions. Okay. Sad, mad, glad, bad, and scared. Yeah. And why is only one of them good? 
sad, mad, glad, bad, scared. Mm. One out of four, five. Five. Well, they're, they're neither good nor bad. You see, it's interesting. You just labelled that. Well, oh, there you God. go. I did. You did. You just went, oh, well, that's three out of five. Oh. It's like labelling food good or bad. There's no yeah, good or bad. So feelings, they're going to come and go and it's well, being able okay, to so that's so, so being scared is bad, is it? So you are the sort of person to get in a flipping roller coaster and tip yourself <laughs> up down. It would scare the Yeah, I guess being scared me means you're that. actually going to do something that probably help with self-development or growth if you're scared. Of yeah. But not scared if you're scared of, you know, a monster that's about to come and eat your face off. That's not Yeah, really there's a different scare. It depends what it's about. So, yeah, I was, <laughs> I was watching something last night on telly and it was a very scary looking thing. I was like, oh, no, I can't bear it, you know ghosty mm. things floating about like oh no I can't bear it. anyway that's by the by but um the but what we do is we say oh I'm feeling anxious okay so what does that feel like and we you can have a feeling you can learn how to describe what that feeling feels like and then you can change it and the I used to teach people how to do that for themselves all the time but then Anxious could be a mixture of mad and scared for some people. Mm-hmm. Or it could be, so I would ask people, you know, what, if you had to break it down to sad, mad, glad, bad, scared, what is going on? So people can sit with an emotion, especially if it's something where they're feeling, and they might be feeling lost, right? Mm. Who am I? I'm lost. I don't know who I am anymore. Okay. So what meaning are you putting onto being lost? What does that mean to you? And what's the feeling of feeling lost? And where are you holding that in your body? And when you say lost, what's it made up of? Is it, is it you know, one thing or is it several things? Like mad, bad, glad, scared. It might actually be mad, bad, and scared, mm. right? So, for example, scared that I might never get back into the workplace. Um, mad, mad as hell that I'm in this situation. Um, and bad because they're giving themselves a hard time so they're a bit cheesed off themselves. So you can do something with that. You can't do something with lost. Because mm. what does that mean? But if somebody's saying, well, I'm really mad, okay, so what are you mad about? Oh, I'm feeling really scared about the, because I've lost my, you know, my identity from being at work or something. Okay, so what are you scared about? And you can deal with those individual bits rather than a global, I have no idea who I am and I'm completely lost, mm. which is just enormous and overwhelming. And what does it mean? And it, and it doesn't mean the same thing to everybody at all because everybody's got their own experiences but humans struggle to label feelings and be able to pinpoint what it is that they're feeling so if you're sat there not sure what it is and Mm -hmm. let alone being able to say where you're feeling it on your body because i think i would struggle like if i'm feeling a certain thing i think i'm better now i could label it and go well you did really well just now going oh i've got tingles at the back of my neck oh yeah (laughs) yeah you did so yeah I don't really think about that. I don't really think about the where am I feeling this on my body, but then I don't sit with uncomfortable feelings. 
I'll mm. go for a walk or listen to a podcast or distract myself Dist- instead. Yes. yes. So, and I think that's really common. I think people do do that all the time. I think they distract and then they give themselves a hard time to feeling bad, mad, glad, whatever it is. Um, and put judgment on that. And then the whole thing just gets into this big mess. It's like, oh, what is all this? And then they go, I'm lost. I don't know who I am anymore. Mm. When actually maybe they are feeling sad. Mm. And grieving um, is about feeling sad. Or maybe scared. Mm. You know? And there might be themes and similarities between people. But how people physically experience feeling is unique to them. Mm. How they... Um, what they mean by um, lost or um, I don't know who I am anymore is is interesting. So <clears throat> there are various approaches to dealing with this, which I'm not going to go through here, but um, quite often you'll go, well, there's I, myself and me. And if I was to... Right, so if I said to you, so... If you had to show me where I am in your body, where would you point to? Don't think about it. Where where am I? Okay. Right there. So right. I just put my hand right like... in the solar plexus. Yeah. I, right. And where if you had to say where me is, where is okay? My in forehead. Your in your head. Okay. And myself. Right. Okay. I just touched both my shoulders. You did. And like you completely did it without consciously thinking. You just went there, right? Mm. And that was a body reaction. Okay, and then you can start to go, okay, so what's that feel like? When you're being I in here, how do you know? Mm. Um, and then you kind of, um, so in therapy, there's also a thing called parts integration, which I'm not going to get into, but basically it's a good metaphorical way of, of looking at the different parts that are working well and usually those parts are the parts that are kicking off, that are ones that are giving us bad feelings. But they're kicking off for a good reason, because mm. they want us to take notice, because mm. of something not being met, or there's a need not being met. So, yeah, I don't quite know where I'm going with this, but I'm just kind of blurbing. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just thinking, so, I'm just, I'm, I keep relating back to that first client who kind of initiated this whole conversation. Mm. I just think, what a bloody minefield. Like, mm. so she... It could be feeling lost yeah. and scared, but also grieving parts, but then also yeah. the guilt that she's not loving every second of being a new mum, which... So, you know, I'm saying a guilt is made up of what? Sad, sad mad, bad, bad. Yeah. Which of those? And then, and then, you know, start to look at, well, which part of you is feeling mad about this or sad about this or mm. um scared about whatever it is and actually well what does that part of you need yeah, so what does that bit it down. need that is going to feel like it's being heard yeah and i think as a new mum or, or a mum mm. people often feel they don't have choices so mm. they, they they can't choose to go back to work or they can't choose to sleep until 10 a.m. and there's mm. things that are felt like they're taken away from them so maybe mm. it's how can we bring some choice back in like mm. where can you make choices for you whether that's mm. like can you run a hot bath mm. while baby's napping or like mm. 
so it feels a little bit more like you've done something for you then and had a little bit more empowerment there for self-care and being okay with that yeah it is okay (laughs) i used to lock myself in the loo (laughs) that doesn't seem like self-care that seems like virgin breakdown right that's it nobody talked to me for the next 20 minutes and i used to do that and i don't know if you remember I don't know. I don't think right. so. And I, it was, it will, it was a thing. I'll get right. That's it. I'm going to the bathroom. Do not talk to me or knock on the door for the next twenty minutes because I needed some brain space. I needed some space, and I suppose I was just quite good at doing that. Mm. Um, so recognizing when it's time for you to step away yeah, and put absolutely. in yeah. your time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. And. Because if you don't do that, then you're going to be no good to anybody else. Mm-hmm. And you can just go on and on and on until such time as um, you, you are overwhelmed and subsumed by stuff. Mm-hmm. Stuff to do, people making demands mm-hmm. and, and wondering what the, where the priority is. And that is really difficult as well, yeah. especially if you've been somebody who's really used to being organised and... Um, on the ball and on top of stuff and suddenly you're not doesn't mean to say you're not that person still it's just not like that now yeah and it doesn't mean to say it's always going to be that way yeah another conversation I've been having with a couple of clients recently mums new mums um is that when things do feel stressful and overwhelming and all of this is going on their knee-jerk reaction is to go to negative body image. Yeah. That is pulled out of the cards yeah. straight away. It's, yeah. well, maybe if I lose weight, I'll feel better. That'll help my stress. Maybe if I didn't have this mum-tum, or maybe... Yeah. And it's like, that's their go-to, is to talk yeah. shit about themselves, about their body, and feel shit about how they look. And it's completely understandable, because yeah. we know the narrative that we're all brought up in. We know this whole bounce back thing and women should be lean and women this and da, 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 da. we know where it's come from but it's like I'm trying to get my clients to recognize that that's what's like they've got all these things going on for them and their yeah, go-to I... is well that will all be fixed when I lose seven pounds that's the go-to it's lose weight it's drop the belly fat and and then one of my clients has lost the fat is smaller than pre-baby weight and still feels the same way and still feels like shit about her body and still feels like this lack of identity thing going on. I'm like, right, so it wasn't your body after all. But often people don't get to that point until hindsight, unfortunately. It's like in hindsight they go, I lost the weight and I still don't like the way I look. And I'm like, because body image is not a physical thing. It's 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 a mental thing. It's not what your body is looking like and you can get yourself very very skinny and still absolutely hate the way you look but it just usually takes hindsight for people to recognize that i really don't want people to get to that point yeah and and i think a lot of that is about that bargaining and negotiating with themselves because it's the thing that they maybe have control over when everything else is feeling a little bit chaotic Mm -hmm. around them is that that's the thing that they can do um, and it is really difficult, but I think what's important there is to go, well, who am I, regardless of how I look, or what my weight is, 
or anything what's important to me and I know you spend a lot of time about values and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that and uh, I don't mean to interrupt but just yeah, off the no, back right. of that Go it's on. like what I'm finding is clients almost like they, they get to a point where they recognise their own values mm-hmm. but it's like they want their husband to still find them attractive they don't want the mums at work to think they haven't bounced back and it's other people's don't yeah it's their other it's their perception of other people's judgments yes. on them yes. more than their own absolutely and, and that's the point and it's it's about recognizing a how they're talking to themselves and what judgments they are putting on themselves that they think other people are doing mm-hmm. and where is the evidence for that how do they know that that is happening you know and quite often they'll be having some uncomfortable feelings that maybe they're mislabeling and actually it's all about something else Mm. quite often what would be an example oh um well you know i'll i'll be happy when i've lost 10 pounds okay well how do you know that you will when will you last £10 lighter than you are now? And were you happy then? And what does happy look like? What does it feel like? How will you know when you've got to happy? And when they're not happy, it's like, well, I'm still not happy, so I've got to lose some more. Well, actually, how would you know when you've got it? You've got to this goal, but actually, what else is going on that you're not happy with? And people don't like to dig into there too no. much. It's much easier to say, it well, is. if I just lose £10 and fit into my old jeans, I'll be happy. And that's a big part of why people do end up self-sabotaging, mm-hmm. is they get to £9 down, they're very close to getting to those that to that goal weight, and then it jumps back up, yeah. because they're scared yeah. that they won't be happy when yeah. they get to the jeans. So it's the story that they tell themselves, mm. and then they believe that story as fact, that that stories quite often based on really harsh judgment and preconceived ideas and perhaps mislabeling of emotion that isn't actually fact at all Mm. you know when you unpick it it's about other things or it might be you know historical stuff you know maybe they've had a feeling that gets triggered they recognize the feeling but they don't know what it's about or what it's connected to so it becomes, oh, well, it must mean it's this. Well, how do you know that it's that? Yeah. And that becomes really tricky. And, um, and that's why I think even if people can just learn to sit with how they feel, it can give them a clue. Because it doesn't get worse. It doesn't, it doesn't make them worse. In fact, if anything, People get much better at sitting with uncomfortable feelings and just being curious about it mm. as opposed to... So it's a bit like um, anxiety. People will feel anxious and they'll feel anxious and anxious and anxious and they're so scared that it'll never stop that they'll do something to distract themselves before it gets to its peak and it comes down the other side. And the trick is to actually just sit with it, breathe through it, wait till it's gone, and it will always come down the other side. It will never yeah. go off the Richter scale. Yeah. You might have a, pa- a bit of a panic attack or something, but and that's really uncomfortable, 
but it's your body telling you something's not quite right emotionally something's not quite right what's going on so that's why you have to take notice of it even if you can't you, you don't have to label it you don't have to analyze it you don't have to judge it if you can just learn to sit with it and go oh i'm feeling like this that's interesting what's that about then hmm. well i'll just sit here with it breathe and it may or may not come to you what it's connected to yeah. and then you can do something about that yeah and just let it pass take some breaths breathe through it and then it will just into the will, next moment it will go it will pass and you'll just go oh, that has passed and all things do pass they're not very pleasant at the time <laughs> quite often and they're very uncomfortable but i think if you put your foot to the floor you know and accelerate without being in gear all you get is a lot of loud noise Mm. and what you need is just to take your foot off the accelerator put it into neutral and just so not only do our identities sort of feel like they're changing but our bodies after having children obviously physically change as well i have a lot of clients that feel a lot of almost disgust or shame around what they now look like or their new body since having a child so how how could you help someone that is struggling with either not feeling like themselves anymore because their body has changed or to come to a point of appreciating or loving or mm. accepting that body again okay or at least to just remove I, some I shame think, around well, it I, yeah i think this whole thing i don't Identity linked with shame is a massive issue because it actually f literally feeds into all sorts of um, ways that we behave and react to situations. Um, and um, shame is a really hard thing to get to grips with, overcome, recognise that's what you're doing. And um, there is a really good book by Brené Brown. On yeah, this, whoop, Brené Brown. On Brené Brown, on this very topic. Um, and it's called, um, I Thought It Was Just Me. And, and of course we know it's not just me, you, I, whatever. It's really common. But underneath a lot of the feelings we've been talking about is usually a, a feeling of shame, that might be made up of different kinds of emotions for different people, like we talked about. But shame is um, probably the precursor to all things about how people see themselves and the story that they tell themselves. So I won't feel this about myself when I have, or when I've got, or when I've done. Mm. Um, or um, why am I not looking like this person I don't know Gwyneth Paltrow don't mention her name <laughs> on this podcast I did it on, did it on purpose <laughs> I am gonna need to cut her name because, right out because she you know she epitomizes that whole thing of carrying on doing the the very thing that's going to feed people's shame and I just don't just don't get it I just don't understand and 
people look and they go, well, she can do it, why can't I? Well, what is she doing that we don't know about? And what is she, harm is she doing? And you can't, and we're back to this whole judgment thing and, and perceived perception of what you think people are either thinking about you or what you think you should be doing or what you shouldn't be doing rather than just being able to go well this is this is how it is in this moment right now this is how my body has changed to carry this child and actually we don't ever hear well that's flipping amazing that my body's managed to do that at all Mm. absolutely incredible that i've I've produced a child. I've grown. I've grown it for nine months. It's an incredible event, and I've given birth to this child. However, you've given birth to that child, and what an incredible thing! People don't. They don't do that. They go well. Right. So life will just carry on. Well, bounce life, back. Uh, well, well, yeah. There is this image that we should bounce back. It's a bit like the resilience thing. What do you mean? Well. You know, hashtag resilience. We need to be resilient. We have to be resilient. Well, yes, mm. there's something about being resilient and emotionally um, able to weather storms. But there comes a point where if you're too resilient, actually you're ignoring what might be going on for you that is perhaps detrimental. And being too resilient is not helpful. So instead of trying to be like a lamppost in the wind, it's better to just be the leaf and just see where it kind of yeah. blows you and spins yeah. you around. Yeah, because eventually that lamppost will just bend and bend and bend in the wind and then it will snap beyond being able to be easily repaired, for mm. example. Whereas actually, if you go, you know what? I need to just stop bending or I need to just go with what is. Um, can I accept that this is how I am at this moment and it's different from how I've perceived myself before and how can I be okay with this what will it take for me to be okay with how I am now Mm. in this moment I just thought then when you said the question of can I accept this is where I'm at blah 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 and if someone cannot accept that and they're sat there going no I don't want to look like this I don't want this like like they're really struggling so, with that How yeah can they... so it's like well what's going on for them what what is it that's getting in the way of them accepting that that's how they are now what meaning are they placing on it what what story are they telling themselves about who they are what kind of worms do we need to lift the lid off of, basically, <laughs> is what you're saying. Well, it, 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 you know, again, it can be, yeah, I'm having a really hard time accepting this. I'm accepting that I am struggling with this. Is is enough. That's still not judgmental, but it is going, yeah, I'm acknowledging I'm feeling ashamed or shame or struggling with accepting how I look now. However, if I don't like it and I do want to do something about it, then I can do something about it. But I have to do it for the right reason. It's, re- it's a very difficult and it's so unique. 
Mm. And it's so tied up with identity that to unpick it without it being a really personal conversation mm. is really hard yeah. to, to, to do, to be fair. So I'm kind of struggling mm. a bit. So I think that's a good point to make, right? Just to throw it out there is if you have access to therapy and that's something mm. that you can access, you absolutely will benefit from that. And it's so much more than sitting down with a friend having a cuppa to chat and it's so much more than going to the gym and saying exercise is your therapy cringe (laughs) exercise is not therapy (laughs) so if you can access it and you're really you are struggling i think it's a great it would be great for you yeah i think you know it doesn't have to be for long it doesn't have to be forever it can be just very time limited if that's what you want however it is it is like going to the gym for the mind if you like it is mm-hmm. like exercise for the mind. But I think exercise is crucial for all the non-body weight fat losing issues that it brings. Oh, yeah. We know top. the benefits of exercise. Is so, just... it, it, you know, doing both at the same time is absolutely invaluable. Yeah. And, but it, there is, but the, the whole thing around shame... And and that whole thing around shame might be that somebody's carrying um, a lot of resol- unresolved feelings from something else that pop up, catch them unawares, and they're not they they know that they don't feel great, so they label it as being a body thing. But mm. it might not be a body thing. It might be, it might be something else. Um, you know, or they might have had lots of messages growing up of, well, you know, if you were different, so if you looked different, you would be more popular or you would be more successful or you would be more accepted into our group or something. Mm. Um, so, but it's not, um, yeah, it's not who, the, who who you are. I think we think about it a lot. Mm. 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 so it's tricky it's all tricky it's, it's all, all tricky. tricky it's all so unique to each it is person and what they so like in nlp they talk about the map and everybody has their own map and what we've yeah. learned and experienced and what we how we see the world is different to every single person yeah. so there is no one one thing or one cause or one reason the way i view the world is very different how you view the world it's very different how Max sees the world and everybody yeah. sees the world differently. And also, you know, you bought NLP. There is a thing in NLP called neurological level alignment. And um, if you imagine a triangle, um, it's a bit like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, really, but a triangle. And at the top of this triangle, the pinnacle is spiritual. So somebody, or self-actualization, if you talk about Maslow, but you know, we're getting a bit academic now, aren't we? <laughs> but anyway, um, but... What that neurological level is about is the one down from spiritual is identity. Mm. And the idea is that actually it's, um, it can be used to help people recognise um, who they are in different roles and different contexts. And so um, underneath um, identity are beliefs and values. Mm. Underneath beliefs and values is capabilities. What mm. can I do? 
Underneath that is how do I do it? Underneath that is where do I do it? So if you were if I was working with somebody, it would be working through those. So um, um, if somebody was feeling a little out of sorts about being a mum, for example, it'd be like, okay, so you work through those levels and it would all be about what are you hearing, seeing and feeling in each of those steps. So there's no thinking going on. Mm. Hearing, seeing, feeling. How are you hearing, seeing, feeling yourself in um, being a mum? And then how are you doing that? What are your values and beliefs about being a mum? And who are you when you're being a mum in that situation is an identity thing. Mm. But it's all fed underneath by beliefs, behaviour, capabilities and the context. Mm. Going back to something you'd said earlier about um, like accepting, um, yes, I'm struggling right now and da-da-da. And I mm. think we as a human race are not good at accepting when we are struggling and finding things mm. hard. We want to be seen as like, I've got this. I know what I'm doing. I've got my shit together kind of thing. Mm. If I went into a job with absolutely no training and didn't know what I was doing, it would feel overwhelming mm. and I'd be looking for help and I'd think, mm. oh my God, I need to just stop this job because I'm just not very good at it. Mm-hmm. Going into motherhood and I'm not a mum, so the thought of becoming a mum, I'm like, I wouldn't know what to do until that baby gets there. Mm. I would be winging it and I think most mums probably are winging it and well, it probably would be a nice thing for more parents to admit that they are struggling well, or they're winging it or well, it's, it's really hard. interesting, you know, because my cousin's son and his husband have adopted a brother and sister and uh, little the baby's nine months and the little boy is um, two and they have gone from being single you know well married to each other um, you know single guys but married to each other living a single life as a couple blah 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 to being parents in nine months like that and it's been a baptism of fire and they've had a massive readjustment to make but that was some choices that they made and they made life um uh life adjustments to uh, deal with it but it's still a baptism of fire is yeah. that gosh well who the hell am i now that i'm a dad well i'm a dad as well and what what, what are we doing here well i have no idea you know they've gone from being exactly knowing what they want and how they are and who they are to mm. you know adopting as um as two fathers together bringing up a, a adopted brother and sister is quite a big leap and there's a lot of people mm. who do the adoption who shift into that mindset of well oh my goodness who who am i now that i'm now doing this and this I thought I was prepared for this. I thought I was ready for this. Mm. So I think there's a lot to be said, you know, that couples go through that or uh, people who are becoming single parents go through that, whether it's by choice or not, Mm. is that massive readjustment and shifting of how they see themselves. Because ultimately, you know, identity is not a fixed thing. You know, I'm not 
my I'm not who I was when I was in my early 20s. Mm. I might have the same values, um, but I'm aware of my, much more aware of kind of my failings or what I don't do so well at or what I'm a bit more scared of that I used to be able to do that I won't do now for whatever reason mm. than I was, you know. So being able to let go of having this fixed yeah, identity fixed and being yeah. better at, Mm. flowing with it letting things mm. just see how we we're just not great at that we like label like we said at the very beginning we like, we like labels we like structure we like we boxes. like to know where we are why yeah. why you know because it, it's, it's a good comfort it, it's a comfort well, zone isn't it, it? it's is. comfort it's i know a great thing i fit know. in this box i have a group that i fit with i <laughs> yeah. identify with them and then when that box is tilted upside down and everything's shaken out of it it's like yeah. so if only we could not do the whole labeling box thing yeah, to such an extent. Such an attachment to to that label is really, really important, and um, that's not to say that belonging and identifying with a group is not important. It is, mm. but it doesn't. It means you're identifying with that group of people in that time. It doesn't mean to say that you are. Maybe you not mine always. That you might for a period of time and that's and that's great so yeah it's about kind of um who am i in this situation at this time now yeah rather than always because people do want to just oh i just want to be happy they'll say and they'll go well okay well, how do you know you're not well and what they expect is this permanent state of a euphoria and a flat <laughs> line all the time. And like, well, that's just not... We create clear. our own problems anyway, don't we? we well, nobody not, can just go like It's, not, it's ridiculous. You, it's just like, well, that's not going to happen like that. Everybody goes up and down and changes around about. And it's just like, that's just who we are. As humans, we're just a whole mixed bag. And that's okay. Yeah. So basically, long story short, just let it go. <laughs> just let it go. <laughs> let it go. <laughs> Expect to change. And oh, there's the Pima Chodron book, um, Living yes. Beautifully with Uncertainty and Change. That yes. book changed my life when I read it. It's stuck with me ever since. And I read that at like 20, who 10 did, years ago. Who you, you sent me that. I so I remember reading that 10 yeah. years ago. But and I think, and, and I think if you think about actually why I sent you that book. Mm hmm. You know, you were living thousands of miles away. Yep. And I'm going, I, I'm not there. I, we can have these conversations. So I'm going to send her this and I hope she likes it and I hope she reads it. And it absolutely did because oh, it yeah. shifted you into a, oh, things are not fixed. Yeah, I would definitely I highly recommend Pima, Sh Pima, Pima Shadron book. Yeah, books. So that's living beautifully with uncertainty and change and mm. I still and so 10 years later I haven't mm. reread the book but the statistic or the fact that always sticks with me is that emotional what is it it's like emotions only last for like two seconds or emotional yes. pain only lasts for like two seconds what continues to hurt us is our thoughts and feelings yes. and memories and, and beliefs that's about what I'm it saying about sitting with it yeah, so we Sitting. could get what what at the time I was like, wait, so I could get over a breakup because that was the biggest thing in my life at twenty was breakups. Um, I could get over a breakup in like two seconds. Well, 
scientifically, like in my brain, yes. So what is it that keeps me not from moving on from this girl? Oh, it's because I'm replaying memories and yes. the beliefs I held about where it would go and yes. da, 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 da. the labels so, you were putting on all yeah. of that and how you identified with where you thought that was going to go or not go. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. lesson to learn that one. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, Pima Shotong is great. And then she, you know, she's somebody who wasn't always a buddhist monk you know and she's somebody who you could say has broken the mold she's you know internationally famous female buddhist mm. monk she wasn't always that she didn't identify as that she identified as a wife with children mm. but when her husband tipped their worlds upside down she wasn't expecting it she went ah i wasn't expecting that what was that what i'm gonna do this is not who I am. And she went through an absolute um, downward spiral and came out the other end going, right, I'm resetting. How am I going to do this? Who am I now? Where am I going? What's important to me? And how can I take the steps towards and how that? Can I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I was talking about the neurological level alignment, her spiritual thing is right at the top because that's where she lives in her world all the time mm. and that's how she sees herself mm. as as a person um and and believing in something higher than herself that's the whole spiritual thing but who she is is she's in one role buddhist monk and another she's this and another she's the other she's an author she's this she's that yeah and how we see people so yeah and Brené Brown. And Brené Brown, yeah. Brené Brown. Two good ones there for Two you Two good ones, yeah. Well, we will leave it there. Good, good chat, good chat. <laughs> Hopefully well, this... I hope, uh, was, yeah. I hope people enjoy it, like they enjoyed the last one. I'm a bit flabbergasted they liked the last one. Oh, yeah, I, great. See, I don't identify one. myself as being a podcast person. <laughs> but so there you now go. Now you know, it's sitting having a chat. It's sitting having a chat. Yeah, now you can... Is let go of whatever belief it, you held about what podcasters it, look yeah, like. Exactly. Because it's sitting with cross legs it, and a cup of tea. It, exactly. And I, and I think that that's made me smile because I'm like, God, that that's amazing. And I have listened to other podcasts much more since and gone, wow. Oh, oh, that's all they're doing. Well, that's really great. Oh, that's brilliant. Right. Well, that's all right then. Because I needed some kind of yardstick. Why do I need a yardstick? Ridiculous. Mm. But we all we all have our uh, moments, and that, and that was one of mine. So mm. yeah. So thank you. Hope people yeah. like it. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. See you soon. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye.